Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Let's do it live on a first Friday miracle. We may need a miracle today. We may. Woo. Am I yeah, You're there. You're good. You're okay. good. You're safe. Right, good. You're safe. Coach coming imminently uh, at the podium. Merely Bo, the great Z. Weather is moving Weather, us indoors. Fila is he not stopping his excitement or Connor with a K. Very excited. Look at Tequila. Fila. Tequila's yes. got a bounce in his step. A lot of wins there. Yeah. Um, so where are we? I mean, we're inside. We thought we would be outside today. It was properly communicated. That is a real dance right there. There's Here, let's go to the podium. Here's Coach. Deshaun talked about taking ownership of the offense. How have you seen him do this? A uh, bunch of ways, I'd say, Scott. I mean, that starts back in April, and as we install the offense, and there's so much nuance to what we do offensively, what everybody does in, in this NFL. Uh, so I think just understanding all the different elements of our run pass game protections uh, really just diving into it i think is the biggest thing you said part of that's building trust with you and avp um is that something that continues to grow it should i mean that's any good relationship uh builds trust as time goes on uh but yeah he knows that we that he has the ultimate we he has the ultimate trust from us when he's standing there behind the the center we, we always talk about that's the best view in the house so what he sees we trust what he sees kevin how would you assess the way the backup running back situation is right now yeah i think it's great competition obviously unfortunate with jerome's injury uh unfortunate for jerome but great opportunity for those other guys to get good reps out here at practice getting great reps in the game so i think it's a, a great competition in that entire room i know we've asked you about jerome many times but give us an update please on on his situation I mean, no real update, uh, Jeff, other than to say he's progressing uh, with, his, with his injury. He spends a lot of time uh, in the meeting rooms and these walkthroughs getting good reps, but uh, he's progressing. Kevin, uh, MJ had such a fantastic rookie season. Um, just as he goes into year two here, where's the biggest area of growth and how much does that man-to-man philosophy that Jim Schwartz has brought to the defense, how, how much can that make him an even better player? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, had a good rookie campaign uh, and needs to get better, like all, all those second-year players. So we're excited about his growth. He takes this game very seriously. He, he works at his craft. Just watch him and, and Coach Lynch and Denzel and Greg. I mean, they're constantly working. So uh, he'll keep coming along. As to the amount of, uh, you know, man you play, that, that's really for the season, and, and we'll see how that all shakes out. But MJ's, I think, adept at playing man, zone, off, press, all of it. Do you guys need to see uh, Jakeem on offense in a game before you make a roster decision? No. Kevin, will you, uh, will you take Deshaun out of there after a series if Andy Reid takes his starters out of there after a series? No, we'll, we'll kind of stick to our plan. Mary Kay, uh, I've texted with Coach Reid. I kind of know what they're doing. I'll let him share that whenever he's sharing it. But we'll, we'll just do what, what we do or what we're planning. 
Hey coach, um, last week you guys held the ball for 39 minutes, 400 yards of total offense, but only 18 points. Now, as a play caller, what are you trying to do this week? What have you been emphasizing in practice to um, yeah, I mean, the big thing obviously there is you got to finish. You got to finish drives in the red zone. Um, you you want to score points every time you touch the rock, and whether it takes one play or 10 plays, we don't really care. Uh, but we got to find a way to finish those drives. Is Walker and Taki Taki ready to see some action? Well, uh, I'm going to get through these practices, you know, in pads today, see how, how they're doing, but they're, they're both very close. Are you pretty confident that Jeff will be able to start the opener? And if not, do you feel really good about what you have behind him at tackle? I, I do feel confident, Mary Kay, and, and yeah, I, I like the guys that, are, that we're working in. As you know, it's uh, you're always working through injuries and you're getting new guys in there and getting guys with reps at different positions, but we're confident with the guys we have, yes. When you said you don't need to really see Jakeem on offense to make any determination, yeah. um, where where is he at right now as far as his return goes? And, and how much does the minimization with the rule change that the NFL is trying to you know, not take away, but they limit the premium that's placed on the, the return game. How does that, you know, factor into? Yeah, I think, well, to your first part of the question, Jakeem will get return kicks and punts in this game. So we'll, we'll get some live reps of him doing that. Uh, but, you know, we value the return game. I don't know that anybody understands how the new rule is going to affect the number of returns. I think it's way, way too early to say. I think we all kind of have our, our, our guesses on how that might go, uh, but we definitely value the return game. Yesterday, uh, Bubba was kind of video with Kate York on the side. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a little unusual. Is there some kind of problem you've discovered? Bubba was videoing, yeah. you're saying? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, not unusual. We're always looking at things technically. Uh, we use a lot of different videos. Uh, with the kicking game and, and really with all of our guys. We, we, we videotaped some of these walkthroughs too. So. Has there been a mechanical issue discovered? <laughs> I think with all of our players, Tony, uh, when you say mechanical issues, just technique. I mean, it's fundamentals and techniques. That, that's what we'll continue to work on. Kevin, when you uh, evaluate a young receiver like an Austin Watkins, how much does the ability to play special teams on game day factor in? Yeah, it's huge. Uh, I think those are the type of things, not just for Austin, but for all of our Players, Mary Kay, as you start to talk about, you know, 53 and then game day rosters, uh, the more you can do, and specifically the more you can do on special teams, really does have a huge impact on that for all of our players. With the cut down being so close, I mean, these practices and that this last preseason game, how important are they for you guys to see some of the guys that are on the fringe looking for that roster spot to make it Yeah, Cam, I think it's like we've talked about that. The evaluation is, is global. It, it takes everything into account, and, and certainly today's practice is a, bit, is a big part of that. Uh, the games are always a big part of it. Um, but but it, it, this evaluation goes all the way back to April as well, uh, from the second we got our guys in the building to all the things we've been doing throughout the spring and summer. Does Jaden Darden bring an element of speed that you would really like to try to see you know, before you have to make some of these decisions? Or yeah, I think it's been unfortunate, again, that we've had an injury there. Tom, get in. Get out of here. Um, yeah, it's been unfortunate that Jalen's had that injury, which has limited uh, him. Um, but uh, we do know his play style. Obviously, we have saw it all last year. You talk about Miles being in the backfield all the time. Um, so how do you judge how Jed's doing when Miles is having that kind of success? Yeah, I mean, again, that's nothing new going against Miles for Jed. I think it's great, great work for him. Uh, you know, we, we judge all the, the work that we get, you know, it's not just the, the work that he gets versus Miles, but I mean, he's going up against an all pro caliber player every day, uh, which is what will only make him better.
have a window into this last preseason game, especially because there's four this year for you guys. Are there a lot of unknowns um, on, on your 53-man roster, or, or do you go in with a pretty good idea of what it's going to look like? It's a little bit of both, Dan. I, I, I think it's it's – it's a great problem to have when, when you're talking about guys at the end of that roster where, you know, hey, we got four spots for these five guys or these six guys. I mean, that, that's the really tough decisions that have to be made. Uh, you know, Andrew and I spent a lot of time talking about those decisions. I trust him with, with all those decisions. Uh, I think we'll be well-informed, um, but but it doesn't make it any easier. Dalvin today kind of talked about playing, you know, alongside Miles, that there is sometimes a oboe in there too, like that. It feels like one-on-one -on -one matchups are going to be easier. It just seems like that's been a big focus, like how you guys have kind of seen that come along when you throw those different combinations out there on the D-line. Yeah, I mean, that's part of, uh, you know, what makes a good pass rush is having multiple guys that you can throw at a, at a team uh, and line them up in all different areas. I, I think back to a bunch of teams over the years that they just line five guys up and they try to get your offense aligned into a 5-0 call and, you, and you're hoping that somebody's going to win or you're going to run a stunt and get a winner from it. So the, the more guys that can win one-on-ones, it obviously opens up your uh, your playbook. Kevin, follow-up, still outside? <laughs> it sounds like we're going inside. They're making an announcement right now. Thanks, so. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Oh, are we? Now we are. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Yes, um, that siren you heard. You. I have no audio coming through our board. Give it. Give it. Right. What has happened in I the facility? No idea. What you're, has happened? You're deaf now from what well, that was earlier. that yeah. happened off. Um, that, that, he's not well. Going off. I could have permanent. There, there could be, be permanent. permanent your ears damage. are ringing. They later. still are. Yeah, it was. It was then you're going to have your. That's that was a full day. Um, some, that was the first like, time I've ever thrown earpieces out of my ears. Like it was like loud rejecting. in my ear. Yeah, rejecting. Yeah, through your head, through your skull. Yeah, mine didn't get loud. It was just yours. Just mine. Yeah, that's a mystery. It went from an it wasn't an eleven so much as it was an eleven hundred, like a billion. Yeah, that's that's what that was. Um, the most noteworthy thing that came of that was the part where training camp practice is moving indoors. So at one point there was a siren, yeah, um, and that means severe weather, and that means uh, head indoors, and that's where we are at the moment. It looks like it is raining out there now. Do I uh, have to... It is yes. Yeah, we're getting a little. The rain sky is dark. Things do not look great. This didn't used to be August. Right, like it never used to be this. Like Global rain. warming's real, brother. Highest, hottest July in over eleven hundred years yeah. around the globe. Forest fires running amok. Yeah, yeah. Like we all never the way seen way before. north too, like way, way north. north Canada, Yukon. Um, Crazy storms. Yeah. Tropical storm in L.A. In L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is if this is what new August is. I'm not here for it. I'll tell you because the amount of rain that we've gotten this month is. Hard to wrap your head around. And it's today and tomorrow. Tomorrow's all locked in, too, isn't it? Is it supposed to do this tomorrow? Take Let's take a look at our uh, handy-dandy weather app. Heavy rain, strong thunderstorm starting in one minute here and will last basically till about 2.30. And then it's good here. So it's going to be just a quick dumping. Tomorrow, 97% and 91 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, that's what you're headed for. Friday for the nuptials of the great Steve Passoff and Molly and Neil. Good job of him getting it in before football season. 79 degrees, 25% chance rain. Love it. Lovely day. Lovely day. Lovely day. Beautiful. Now, are you officiating? I'm not officiating, but I'll be there, and I will I will share some spoken word. But oh, I'll, some words. Very, like, quick. All should be. 
Yeah. No matter how There's gifted no you are of a speaker. Exposition. Right. Yeah. A no, minute and a half, 90 seconds. That's what I want. They're showing this thing last night on a, I got roped into a little Real Housewives of New York okay. by Miss Kay. And there was a couple doing their vow renewals, uh-huh. which usually feels like, in my experience, post-vow renewal, there's usually, if you renew your vows at some point, there's usually a separation that comes after that. <laughs> that that's like the last, like, hey, the wedding was great. Maybe <laughs> right. we should try doing that again. Yeah. And then you do it, and then it's like, ah, same. Right. You still suck. Right. Yeah, let's part ways. Yeah. So, anyway, at this, they treated it like a wedding. There were like seven speeches. One guy had four sheets of paper. <laughs> <laughs> like four printed out pieces of paper for his speech, and it just appeared that they went on far too long. That's not going to do. I have a good, I have a good thought in my mind right now. I have one quote that I want to share, and then make one little funny joke, and then wish them well. And this should take less than ninety seconds. I always had um, three pretty s- strong r- rules on speeches at weddings, especially given from the pr- perspective of the of the best man or anything in that that nature. Uh, number one, it's about the bride. The whole wedding's about the bride. Like, no one cares about the groom. You're just there to look good in a suit, tip your hat, kiss the bride, well, do the, the right thing. This is the culmination of yeah. a 17-year relationship. This is a little different circumstances. So that's why. So, yeah. I so have some a little joke. Bit. I well, right. But you're going yeah. to be concise, which goes to my second yes. rule, which is whatever, however long you initially think you need to speak for, cut it in half. 90 seconds. Two minutes. You're that's ready how I got. Right. That's, that's where got you got to be. Yeah. And finally, don't be funny if you aren't. I am. If you don't know if you're funny, then you're not. I am. Confident. Yeah, you're quite clever. You're ready confident, to go. Confident. Look at this guy. What's he got? I know. He's got a box of stuff. You know what I saw today walking in here? No. Uh, and I'm, I'm, this is a. This could be construed as a bit of a, of a hot take. I think Frayne might have the best gear in the whole operation. There's no doubt. His guys that look white. like. That white that they're sporting yeah, they around. They got quarter zips of it, too. They got quarter zips. They got a hat. They got that hoodie shell thing. I saw him outside. I said, this is it's too much. This stuff is. He's it's got too, too much. much. Just share it. It's great gear. Yeah. He's the security team is is well represented. Yeah. Well represented. Yeah. So um, that hoodie that's like a white body with black sleeves. It's unbelievable. It's it really is. It's, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um what did you make above of Coach's comments? Or anything catch your catch your attention or just kind of we're we're kind of the point where like let's just go. He's not gonna say anything. Okay. Number no. one. We know that. Um number two didn't feel like much new information. You know, we'll see on AWOC and talk. I, I know from talking to both of those guys, they are hoping to get a chance to play, but I don't know if they will. But other than that, I mean, that was pretty straightforward. You've talked to Coach Reed. They're going to play their starters a little bit. We're going to play our starters a little bit, and I bet we're not going to play all of them. And go get some good work, and then we'll get on to September 10th. Yeah, that's where it is. I, I think from a – we had the restructuring of Chief last yep. night as well, so that gets you to that. Uh, now 37 million in cap space um as you articulated yesterday that is much more about next year's um trying to get out ahead of yeah. that deshaun's number 63 next year so that'll probably be next year we'll have about 45 percent of our cap in deshaun miles and there's one other one that because of just the way that it's been done now my guess is that'll be done again yeah and again and so what it allows you to do, if you're willing to pay the cash, you can basically get a 5 to 10% premium on the salary cap because you're pushing money forward with the assumption, right, that every year the salary cap is going to go up, which as long as there isn't some crazy thing that goes on, the salary cap will go up every year. And so 
50 million out of 200 million, as we know, is 25%. 50 million out of 250 million, though, well, that's only 20%. Mm -hmm. So you just made 5% right there. So that's, that's what this is about. And the Browns, again, are very fortunate. We're all very fortunate that we have an owner who is willing to pay the cash to allow these kind of cap games to transpire and to be played. There you go. So I, in terms of what's happening out here, this was scheduled to be the last training camp practice anyway, correct? No. This was going to be it or, or there is one tomorrow too, but that's earlier? Earlier. Okay, so that'll be a morning. So tomorrow you could go too, but tomorrow we could have weather. Right. Um, so the team is indoors, we take it for right now, yep. and then we'll, we'll see where it goes um, from, that, from that standpoint. A um, little bit off topic, but I wanted to hit you with this. The, uh, the Ohio State University down in Columbus, they hired a new president yesterday. Okay, okay. Um, A Ted Carter uh, that's significant to this program because we're big fans of the United States Navy. And Ted Carter was a former uh, boss at the Naval Academy and the Navy War College. But more importantly than that, he was in fighter weapons school and was a pilot and has a call sign of Slapshot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And was, in fact, at the Naval Academy. Does Moe know this guy? I texted with Modes. He yeah. does. He's aware. Very well aware. Okay. Um, I checked with him this morning. Um, we had uh, the other thing about Slapshot that's pretty interesting is he was at Fighter Weapons School in 1985, which theoretically would have put him there around the time that they were filming or prepping Top Gun, which dropped in 86. Interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Interesting. Yeah. And his slapshot was he a hockey player? Or is that an he homage was a hockey to the film? player at the Naval Academy? His slapshot when when did Slapshot come out? Seventies. So Yeah. There yeah. it is. Yeah. So that's that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah so I, I like look that. forward to talking to him. Um but I was trying but, to make yeah. out I didn't know what you wrote there. It looked like you said stop something, but I now I see now that no. slap slap shot. Yeah. All right. So I was taking notes as we were going through everything, and then I, other things I want to bring up to you here in this first segment. All right, real quick. The Browns have just announced that training camp practice is canceled. Uh, for oh man, that's on the app. That's us. That was us. That was you and I talking. That was you and I. Yeah. Well, I just got the alert, so I was just trying to click. Oh, I took me into the app, which then took us live. But basically, that train camp for the fans has been canceled as it's been moving indoors. Okay. Okay. So So officially, that is the case now. Um, All right. I want to ask you a couple other Ohio State questions. Shoot. What What happened? What prompted the Kenny Powers gif? From there he is. Now that's There's the type zesty of zest. garlic. That's what there I want. Zesty scarlet. Yeah, Love even it. with the saunter, you can have some zest to you. Oh, look at he's guy's really kicking, really swaying it. Yeah, right to I like left. It. Yeah, right I like left. That. All right, like the, that as well. uh, All right what, Kenny Powers. Yeah, what caused the Kenny Powers gif from Lauren? They landed a five-star defensive end okay. out of Georgia. Yep. Um, who played for the? That's about all you need to know. Otherwise, it takes too long. But they landed this guy. The reason that it was important to me is I put him on to Kenny Powers. Okay. So he then was unaware. Use, so then him using it. That got you excited. Yeah, that made me okay. excited right. that he thought that it is one of the great, really excited gifts. There's, is La Flama Blanca walking he's, in? He's got so many of them. There are so many. Show. So many hits. Dollar dollar bills. You got yeah. him coming on the jet ski. The jet ski is unbelievable. Rolling in. Yeah. The one when they're doing the machine guns and he's in Mexico. Yeah. So many good ones. So yeah. many good ones. Okay, so that's good. All right, there's a good. And then they don't have a starting quarterback, right? They do not. No. Um, and that one, Bootsy, is the real truth. It's not a matter of anything with NIL. It's not a matter of free transfer, trying to keep a kid on campus. They have two quarterbacks. 
Uh, the way I understand it, neither one has been – they both were five-star kids in recruiting. So it was Kyle McCord out of Pennsylvania and then Devin Brown out of Utah. Um, they both were highly regarded kids coming in. Um, but the way that I understand it, neither one has been great. And so no, neither one has taken the job. McCord's a year ahead of Brown. He's a red shirt. He's in his third year. Brown's in his second. Um, but, um, yeah, it's not a situation where both have been lights out. It's more of a situation where neither one's been great. So is this – like, if you could talk to Quinn Ewers, would you have said, if you just waited, now you would have, this would be, what, his junior year, and you'd have one year to light it up with Marvin Harrison and be yeah. a first-round pick. Yeah, for sure. He's kind of in that situation at Texas, and he got to play last year, though. Okay. So if he lights it up this year at Texas, they got a transfer, Georgia's best receiver transferred to Texas this year. Why? After winning two national championships at Georgia, he transferred Why? to Texas to catch passes from Quinn Ewers, and probably because of NIL. I'm sure somebody induced him financially give him some sort yeah, of a deal to a come over incentive. there um so yeah i mean i think ewers wins about as big as you can win in that he started last year at texas he's a starter this year at texas and he's in his home state and in the meantime he made about two million bucks in columbus on nil while pl being there for three months and arch manning is no threat to him he's so far i mean he's three years in yeah you know it'd be so hard to unseat now he arch. was Arch has been really good in camp down there after having a really rough spring. He's been really good at camp. Um, but I think it would take like almost a Quinn injury Got it. for Arch to go in it. Just true freshman to – he played that Isidore Newman, same place Peyton played, just a small school in New Orleans. So, like, the to go from that to, like, Texas, the speed is just crazy. Much now, Peyton did that. He played right away at Tennessee. There was an injury, and he played right away, I think, second – First or second game of his freshman year, he was a starter from then for four years. Um, Eli did redshirt at Ole Miss, though. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, there you go. See? Good. I don't know enough, but I know enough to ask questions that get us to places. Man's got those limitations. Yeah, that's not my specialty. Yeah, that's I'm just it. a Pac-12 guy, and it's just now <laughs> defunct. It's gone. So, there it is. There's, it's what's crazy. The ACC is quickly on that. The ACC is going to vote in the next 24, 48 hours, allegedly, although I'm dubious that they will about allowing Stanford and Cal and potentially even SMU into their league. Um, and Stanford would go for nothing. They would basically take no money. It's absurd. They would just go out of their endowment to pay for it. Um, it's not likely they'll have the votes because Florida state, North Carolina, North Carolina state, Clemson are all going to vote. No, because they want to blow up the ACC. They don't want to bolder embolden it at all um, because they want to get out of the grant of rights. So it's very likely by like next week, the PAC 12 will officially be either, gone entirely it is gone. it is gone right but in name only at least there'd be you know if it's oregon state washington state stanford cal they're those are all pac 10 teams pac 12 teams and then they would have to try to grab some off of the mountain west whether that's san diego state those type of teams but it's yeah it's over it's done it's done it's cooked this is my plate stanford okay. is one of the most prestigious institutions in the world it is every year the best overall athletic institution in the world, yeah, it sends people to the Olympics. Yep. It sends people to win Nobel prizes. Yep. everything mm -hmm. for a Big Ten. Like, there, you can't tell me that they're not as good as like Rutgers. They're way better. So why why are they not in the Big Ten? I mean, it adds Rutgers to the had a sliding doors moment ten years ago where Jim Delaney, who was the boss of the Big Ten felt that cable buy was the most important thing. And so in order to increase the cable buy profits for the individual members of the Big Ten Conference, he entered into the New York market and the D.C. market. So that's how you got Maryland and Rutgers. Sure. And he was willing to bet 
over the long period of time that the money given to them from the Big Ten would lift those schools up. He's still defiant in saying that eventually it will. I remember having Gene Smith, the athletic director of Ohio State, on at the time, and I said, Gene, this seems naive to me. Neither of these schools have Rutgers ever been was better anything. Ago. Neither of these have ever been anything in football ever, never of anything of consequence. And he responded, and I love Gene, but he said, I think you're being naive. I think over 10 years I've been proven right. They've gotten the money for a long time. Northwestern, or I'm sorry, Rutgers is still running a $200-plus million deficit in their athletic department because they cannot keep up. There is not the fan interest. Their stadium sucks. There's not fan, they're not selling tickets, none of that. So it's done nothing for Rutgers. It emboldened the Big Ten's coffers for a period of time where they went from making $50 million a year per team on the, on the Big Ten network to upwards of $100 million over the course of a short term. But now, as cable buy is going down and you're purchasing what you want when you want it, what matters most is the type of television shows you can create. And Rutgers is not a very good television show. No, but they Stanford... would have been much better off adding Oklahoma and Texas sure. 10 years ago, which were both they could have had. They could have had both, um, and instead they went for these markets. So Stanford that's how you got to there. me though is like it's Stanford. It is Stanford. I think Stanford and it's is the a, Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, but like, th nobody there cares. No one goes to the games. They don't watch college football. Nobody at Cal goes but to the games. An they don't watch college football. That just by its mere presence Listen, elevates your been, organization. I've been saying for two weeks that the Big Ten should take Stanford, Cal, both if you want, but certainly Stanford. And I'd be interested in SMU. And I would do it under the stand of under the what they're willing to do in the ACC. You can come in, take no money, right? We're not going to give you any share of it. Go into your thirty-six billion dollar endowment, and then by the time we redo the television deal, you can be in the league. There's no question the Big Ten would benefit by having Stanford. There's yes. no question. I think they'd benefit from having Cal. I'd also suggest, as a little counterpoint to what you just opened up with there. I would suggest that it would be in the Big Ten's interest for Stanford to become, to elevate its football. And so why would you want to give them some of that money that you could use and say, this is just for football? Like, Stanford does everything else well. They well, have the and they've best. done football well in our life. They have three Heisman finalists in the last 15 years. Right. So they've done it. But if you were able to even enhance yeah. that and give right. them, like, the ability to go out there, I just... Yeah. It feels to me like that is a no-brainer. That is a... It's a historic brand. It's, it's just it's, not... The conferences, so the conferences are being run by television networks, and Fox does not have an interest in showing Stanford or Cal football. That's all it is. I mean, you just think about the alumni from there that are in the league. Like, I think Stanford is the coolest, most prestigious university in the world. Yeah, I think that's I think fair. it is the it university. Have like, you ever been? It's the coolest. Yeah, I've been. It's stunning. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's and I think Berkeley's sick. cool, too. Berkeley it's is cool. It's not Stanford, but it's no. cool. Um, Stanford's unbelievable. It is, yeah. Yeah, kind of defies logic. But yeah, that's that's where you're at. Where you're at in college. Zago went to Stanford. Like for Stanford to be without a, I mean, it's just of all of the ones without a home, that's the one that's the most absurd. It's absurd. And to be honest, to what to be quite honest with you, if if you hooked up the Big Ten presidents to lie detector test, they would probably get rid of eight of their members upwards to have Stanford. How long do they have to Rutgers, keep Rutgers, Maryland, to Illinois, keep Indiana? I don't know that there's any interest in Purdue, big picture, Minnesota. Those are like classic. Big they Ten are, but brands. none of them are television shows, and that's all they're trying to create. Stanford's a better television show than all that's of those. That's what I think. When you said it's it about is. television show, it's a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Stanford Stadium's awesome. Yeah, like beautiful. The Super Bowls are there. Yes, the Niners beat the uh, Dolphins. Dolphins there. Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard to wrap your head around. Um, last thing I'll say on this: the Big Ten's approach to this has been. With, from, with Fox and their television partners is we'll take Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, 
uh, soon to be USC, and we will have them play. Remember we had this conversation yeah, about one the, in each the slot. SEC was playing the, the hits, and the Big Ten is not. They're going to have the big brands lift up the little guys because they don't have enough big me. guys. You need to have all the classic matchups. Yeah, they're not going to do that. That's crazy. That. Um, all right, practice has moved inside here. We'll get you some takeaways from yesterday's practice uh, as well. Some news around the team. You have that to look forward to. Go around the league. Deshaun Watson at the podium, a little bit of higher or lower as well. We're off and running on a first Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fans, avocados from Purdue will be at Seven Hills Meyer location 1-3 to three, Friday the 25th. Stop by the ultimate football sweepstakes for your chance to win a 2023 Ford Lightning electric truck. Play games, win prizes, meet Hanford Dixon. For more info, visit Cleveland Browns Facebook page. And you can find it there. Uh, yesterday we were out there at practice. It wrapped up just as we were uh, getting off the air yesterday. Um, good, bad? One more. Oh, got baby. It. You got it. It was, to be honest with you, there were very limited competitive periods. Uh, yesterday's practice was much more about at the end, you know, kind of a long walkthrough period. Uh, I thought, you know, Denzel Ward continues to be fantastic this camp. This defense suits him. You hear the excitement. We had a. Gibbe got to interview him yesterday for the Kevin Stefanski show, and you can just hear how much he likes playing for Jim Schwartz, how much he likes this defense uh, and what he's being asked to, to do in it, and he's played well. I thought Sean had some nice connections with, with uh, the receivers, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Amari Cooper once again, and I thought Jordan Wilkins, the running back who feels to me like the only guy that's on this roster that really – could stick as that third running back long term. Like mm -hmm. I do think something, you know, if he doesn't get in that goes Felton, I think, you know, that could be something that could change after the 53 cutdowns and whatnot. So I'm intrigued by him. Um, it was good to see Taki out there. Good to see Awok out there. So hopefully those guys are back and are able to get some, some game reps. But I think, you know, yesterday, the thing that took place closest to us mm -hmm. didn't get a lot of coverage, obviously was Cade. And I think that right now remains the biggest question for this team going into the season. I think everything else is there. And I think it's a, what, what a wonderful thing it is that we're talking about the kicker, but I think that's kind of, that's right now the one thing that is, you know, that needs to be sorted prior to the season. Yeah. And then the, the definition of sorting that or the interpretation of sorting that is, is the next part of it. Um, and you just keep waiting you know, for, for Cade to go. And I, it feels like that those, you know, those last two kicks at the end of the game, it's a golfer. It's the, there's no better analogy. That's what yep. it is. It's, it's, it's a putter standing over a putt and not believing it's going to drop. Yep. And, and that's where he's at right now. Can it be fixed by the opener? It's that's the, that's the job of Bubba Ventrone. That's the job of the staff to get him in position. Uh, but also as we've articulated many, many times on the show, the razor thin margin that is the AFC, um, even a singular loss that comes down to something that could have been prevented is one too many. Yeah. There's just, you go around this conference, they're just there's no there's no room, no room for it. I just want people to have some perspective though, because you know you always hear Phil Dawson, Phil Dawson, Phil Dawson, Phil Dawson. Fourteen years here with the Browns was a great kicker, made eighty four percent of his kicks in that time. 
uh, and was a one-time Pro Bowler. He actually, in his four years with the Niners after leaving here, had the best four-year stretch of his career, made 86% of his kicks at that time. But Phil Dawson's career started in 1999. He made 66.7% his rookie year, 82.4% his second year, 88% his third year, and 79% in his fourth season. And what's also interesting is he missed an extra point in three out of those first four years, and that's back when the extra point was Mm -hmm. a chip shot. Yep. So Phil Dawson didn't have a season in the 90% until 2005 when he made 93% of his kicks but did not attempt a single field goal of more than 50 yards that season. It's obviously a very different game now. The only other time he made over 90% of the kicks in his career was 2012 with the Browns, his final season, when he did go to the Pro Bowl and made 93% that year, including 7 of 7 for more than 50 yards. So he was incredible in 2012. But that took him a long time to get there. And what's interesting is after 2005, he actually followed up the next year, 2006, making 72% of his kicks, going 6 of 12 from 40 to 49. And I think we kind of have in our minds that it was just – automatic for his entire career and you know that was not the case here with the Cleveland Browns obviously a couple incredible seasons with the Browns two years of 93 percent or higher um he became a real distance kicker ironically as he got older you know by 2011 he made seven from 50 2012 seven from 50 then four then six with the Niners so you can see how it's changed and how kicking has changed and what people are willing to do but it was not like he was just automatic right off the streets week one or year one or year two is his it really he was below 83 percent in three of his first four seasons i think a and big four of his first six let me run this by you yeah do you think that part of the reason that and phil was awesome we've had him in here he's great he's great Love talking to him the best you're doing a, a you did a great job of like outlining the realities of that um and he was great but is it possible that because the team did not have the success that we've had the last several years, not even in the vicinity, of that the few moments that were great were on his leg. Yes, and he and won so, games and was right. clutch when he needed to make right. them. Right, no so doubt. you didn't have this, this – the stakes were totally different yes. than they are now, and the sport's different. I mean, you just – Kicking's ability, different. Kick, kicking's easier now. Like, Guys are training better. They're just they're, better. They're better. It's just – We've, we've, there's an evolution to it that's happened. But I do think it's kind of like one of those things where because there were so few successes during that run, feel it feels like in the mind's eye of most Browns fans that he made 95% of his kicks well, for his entire career. And they can remember the kick that just went through off the yeah. stanchion to beat, I think, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, It's unbelievable against Buffalo, Buffalo and crazy, the crazy snow, game. snow game where he is the entire offense. So, yes, I think there's a lot of validity to what you say. But it's also just, it's just not that easy, you know, where – Everything from the past is always better, right? Nostalgia, all of that. For and sure. It's just not – but your point is also valid, is that there are incredible stakes. Unfortunately, during Phil Dawson's tenure, like just like most of Joe Thomas's tenure, playoffs weren't even an option. So this, these are very, very different stakes. I mean, I think you look at a guy like – like Justin Tucker was is the rare bird who comes out 91%, 93%, then he goes 85, 82, 97. In 2016, he made 38 of 39 field goals, including 10 of 10 from 50 plus, 14 of 14 from 40 plus. That is from 40 to 49. Twi- he was 24 for 24 for more than 40 yards in, in 2016. I mean, he's he's just on a different level than everybody else. 
but that's in the, our division. I think the reason, and I and you tell me if I'm wrong on this. I think part of the reason that I, I don't know if it's part of the reason, but I think from a fan perspective, sometimes you you see York and you think, well, he should be McPherson. So McPherson, same conference, right? Yep. One kicked at Florida, the other kicked at LSU, um, and and they they both were bombers, right? Yeah. So and we remember McPherson's rookie year at Cincinnati hitting every big kick that mattered in the postseason, including game winners. He was steely. Um, that first year at Cincinnati, he's an 85% kicker. He's a 96% on extra points. He missed two. Last year at Cincinnati, he's 83% overall, and he's he missed four extra points. Yeah. He's 40 to 44 um, on extra points. He missed four field goals last year in Cincinnati between 40 and 49 yards. Yeah. Now he hit all of them 50-plus um, coming after the previous year where he was 9 of 11 from 50-plus. Um, so I think that's part of it too. McPherson missed one 20 to 29 last year yeah. uh, as well. So I think that when you had York, when you draft York, the thinking is, well, we got our McPherson Yep, and he's going to hit all the big kicks, but there is an ebb and flow with the position that all of that to be said, we don't have any margin. We don't. And you know, Cade started at 75% rather than 85% mm. his first year. Um, you know, and for him, the big thing, if he goes 12 for 12 from 30 to 39 and he ends up 27 of 32, that's really right where you would have expected him to be, right? Let's see. 27. I bet that's in the – yeah, 80 on, – on the dot. On the dot. 84, 84. and a half percent. Yeah. So – and those are the ones that are – that are inexcusable six of eight from 44.9 and four of seven from 50 plus like you can live with that you'd like it to be a little bit better than you know 10 of 15 which is 67 percent but everything else has to be automatic and if he was 12 of 12 there he's right on that number the problem is we have so much at stake and, and you think about some of the kicks that he missed last year they were consequential the extra point against the jets Mm -hmm. ended up being consequential. The two misses against the Chargers ended up being consequential. Attempt to win the game against the Ravens, missed, consequential. Mm -hmm. Those stick out, and those stick in our memories. And so what we really need to see, and it's unfortunate because you, you know for – we all remember, week one Carolina, he won the game 58 yards. Yep. Like, incredible. So there are good moments, obviously, and bad moments from that rookie year. The talent, again, is undeniable. But right now it's, I think – getting it your mind body connection and allowing that to let you just let your talent shine that's i think what we're we're struggling with a little bit with Cade. yeah certainly seems that way other roster news chris westry was waived this morning the corner um in addition to that and we mentioned this already the restructure of the chief's contract creates an extra two million in cap space now 37 million uh as z pointed out yesterday that's 99.9 percent .9 for next year because the you this this operation is never going to allow itself to be in a situation where it's in cap jail and our ownership is willing enough to write checks. And so that's a wonderful spot to be in to where yeah. you can avoid cap jail. And, and that's largely what that's about. I just wanted to give like some, we all, you know, we follow this stuff very closely. You and I, we're always talking about this stuff. Um, but to understand there are a lot of places and this didn't exist when we were, you know, younger fans where you can go and f get great information on, the salary cap and so now there's spot track right mm -hmm. there's over the cap.com for a brown standpoint follow jack duffin j-a-c-k-d-u-f-f-i-n yep he lives across the pond and this dude is so dialed in on this stuff that's where the article and i talked about it from orange and brown report yesterday yeah. that i was talking about that was his stuff he is incredible so give him a follow because he'll keep you plugged in on all of these things and you'll see how the browns 
make a lot of these moves. And he's even good at identifying, you know, in this offseason, guys who we thought would be targets for Andrew Berry in the offseason. And we, like, basically all of our free agent signings were on this list. So he had a good – because he understands the cap and what we're going to do and what the deals will look like. So I would give – if you're a Browns fan, give him a follow to understand certainly that business side of it because what we're doing is cutting edge. And really the teams that do it the most are us and the Eagles. So it's no surprise that I think it's one of the things that AB probably picked up from Philly and brought back here – and we're being very aggressive in implementing it. And again, it's kudos to him and Chris Cooper and that whole team. And also kudos to, you know, our ownership group. And I talked with the chief today. So the chief was the one most recent to do it. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like, how did it come? He goes, it's easy for me because it doesn't change anything for me, except that I get some cash sooner. So when? great. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, sure, I'll restructure it. But that doesn't happen, as I said, without our owners being willing to go into their pockets to do it. Absolutely. We'll go around the league coming up next. Training camp practice today moved inside, yeah. so the Bummer. traditional training camp with fans has been canceled. There will be a practice, but it'll be indoors, and that'll, that's obviously a very, very different practice than the one that would have been done outdoors. Uh, so much more to come on that. We go around the league coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. For a team of injury lawyers dedicated to every client every day, call 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Um, we have we had uh, Hard Knocks episode three last night. Yes. Which I watched most of i watched the beginning of first, it first 40 minute 30 it's minutes it's a late so. i wish why does it just not wish it was nine we're getting old dude i'm thinking not? about this like i hit 10 o'clock last night and i'm like i'm gassed see i'm, I'm fine but like sweet miss k is working her butt off the angel of adcom and mm-hmm. she's like she's gassed. she wants it and like she can't sleep if i'm in bed and i have like that on like quietly like the, just the light of it she just can't when when aim was pregnant with the boys i would do i would i had a bluetooth headset uh-huh. that i would watch tv on while she slept genius um that kind of got around that a little bit but yeah no I mean, it's hard to sleep for me it's hard to sleep with like a tv on totally i can't do it um i need a and hard knocks is now shot and all these crazy cameras yeah and it's so bright and it's a, an incredible access to aaron Rodgers. This is okay. It's basically it's it's the quarterback Aaron Rodgers co-starring the Jets. It's incredible featuring the New York Jets. And and whether it all feels awful genuine, but the reactions if you read like I follow a bunch of people who cover the Packers, mm-hmm. they're just like this is so absurd. Like, really? It is so like just the this most isn't his normal behavior? PR, like he's Sports basically washing. using right, hard knocks to completely rehabilitate his it's image. It's working. 
I mean, it's working. He seems so likable. He seems great. <laughs> like, I'd love to hang out with this guy. Do this some seems ayahuasca. Great. Feels like a win. Um, so I had Rich Samini on yep. this morning, and we were from ESPN on the Jets, and we were talking about the Jets and the East and everything. And I was talking to him about Rodgers. And he, he said, you know, I've covered the Jets for a long time. I always knew what quarterback play wasn't supposed to look like. Yep. I didn't know what it was supposed to look like. Now yep. I do. Yep. And he said it is such it was such a contrast just how easy everything is with an elite quarterback that never misses <laughs> compared to the struggles of guys trying to find their way. Like of course. Rodgers even at this age at 38 it still has the fastball. He still has complete command. And essentially much like in it's it's you know my favorite analogy was always more the Manning one than the Brady one, but I in talking to Rich it seems like that the the bigger one it's it's even easier for that for Rodgers because it is his offense they are running the Packers offense totally yes 100%. so he's not even marrying offenses this is his offense that they have installed in New York yeah and as you saw in the episode last night like very clearly Randall Cobb is there just to coach the young cats about yeah. where they need to be like that's why he's on that roster at one point he says we keep this up 12 I mean eight is gonna he's gonna blow because we're not being as precise as we need to be um I thought it was great I thought the most for those of you who have Garrett Wilson in your dynasty keeper leagues um that was pretty good when he's talking to the player from Tampa Bay and they're like what about 17 and he goes he just shook his head and he's like he's a real deal yeah that's he, it yeah yeah he's got it that's yeah. the one so Garrett will, and then I he said Garrett Wilson's electric, uncoverable, all the things. He's going to be awesome. He's yeah. going to be. He had a he goes Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. They had eleven hundred yards receiving last year with Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco. Right. So yeah, with Aaron Rodgers, it'll be pretty good. It's gonna be just fine. Um, the other thing that was out yesterday was the first episode of the Florida Doc. It went. I I had no patience for it, uh, despite having a couple of friends who are in it. Um, it is. It's just sports washing. I heard it. That's was all it is. It's just awful. like the Johnny Doc. It's almost like there's a target audience for the for sports documentaries that I think is hardcore sports fans. Yeah. But these two recent ones, the Johnny one and this one, it's almost like they ignored that audience and went as if you've never heard of anything that happened at Florida. And here's my view of what happened at Florida through the prism of Urban. Well, and part of the reason it's one of the reasons I think probably Joe Hayden declined to be a part of it. So somebody. Uh, listed the missing storylines on Swamp Keys. Let me see if I can get it before you even go, just based on, on what got, I saw. On, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They have ten. All right, ten so, missing storylines. All right, so the pounces yep, are pretty much non-existent in, in what I saw yesterday. That's one. Um, they did next to nothing on Aaron Hernandez. Two. I could not believe they didn't mention Cam Newton. Three. Cam Newton was on campus, stole a laptop, throw, thrown out. Urban That's how recruited, ends up at Auburn. Correct, after going to a junior college. Right. The idea that Urban recruited – Cam in the class after Tebow is one of the greatest recruiting jobs in the history. All right, so you got three for um, three. I don't think there's any Zach Smith stuff. Four. Which he would have been a part of that. Chris Rainey was a running back who I'm pretty sure threatened that his was girlfriend. Not, that was not listed here. Um, they also had Carlos Dunlop was Five. arrested before yep. the UI before the 2009 yep. SEC championship. That's on here. Um, Dunlop. Got, Do they anything about the urban panic attack, like the heart attack? quote-unquote heart attack. That's six. Okay, yep. <laughs> no, I don't – I didn't – okay. Um, do they address the fact that he coached the next year? Like 2010, he's still at Florida, and they fall on their face after Tebow They don't left. really talk about that. So the other ones they have are Riley the Cooper. 
Oh. 2009 Sugar Bowl week. Riley Cooper, the only defense I'll give to that is Riley Cooper, most people know him because of what he said about Michael Vick when he was with the Eagles. Yeah. I don't recall anything with Cooper at Florida that there were red flags. Okay. So maybe I missed it. Maybe it's yeah. possible, but I don't so recall. So it says that. 2009 Sugar Bowl week, which I'm not sure what that means. So that's the that's urban uh that's the urban retirement, not retirement. Got it. Yeah. It says some urban's wife and kids in Gainesville. Yeah. Whatever that means, and then life after Tebow. So those are the yeah. missing storylines there. So you had you so you, you, you I mean, I was. But how do you not cover Aaron Hernandez or the Pouncey Twins or Cam Newton? I mean, that when it was crazy. announced, I said this has the potential to be the best of any sports. If they stocks, do it, if they do it, yeah. If you do the real truth, you're going to get because it's lot. got all of this stuff. Yep. I mean, he put Tebow as the roommate of Hernandez. It's crazy at to Florida try to, to, to try to yeah, straighten him, straighten him out. Nuts. No. The only thing work. that was great, like Tebow took the blame for a bar fight that Aaron. That was the only real mention I saw of Hernandez was Tebow took like blame for a bar fight that Hernandez got into at Florida. Well, even in the Aaron Hernandez documentary, there was stuff about what happened in Florida where there was like guns and oh, somebody yeah. got shot outside of a nightclub and that like, was always Lauderdale. rumored. Yeah, it was always rumored that yeah. it was there. Um, the Raiders not interested in trading running back Josh Jacobs. He has no, not signed not. his tender, and no deal is imminent to get him back. Because nobody's going to give you what you want, quote unquote, want for a running back that you're not paying at the level of what you want like it just running backs are in a tough spot like no doubt about it sucks it does suck for them but it's just the reality, of the, just the reality of the business i saw jared this morning saying that um you know that they kicked the tires on everything but he doesn't he wants to see how his running backs are he's not interested yeah. in tony pollard's in in jonathan taylor i do think that he is the type of guy that would take taylor at discount like i could see him doing a move like that. that i could see that yeah, yeah. i could see, I could see sure. him doing that uh taylor was at camp by the way yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna play. Got to play. He no he's got to do it. He has no choice. Yeah. Did you see no the choice. Chris Jones stuff this morning as well? Is he back? He's willing to sit till week eight. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he's willing to sit till week eight. Andy Reid was available this morning, um, and he basically said life goes on. Yep. Sort That's what they'll do. That's, That's how that goes. Do. All right. Coming up next is Sean Watson at the podium. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Bally Bet, sports betting partner. Your Cleveland Browns coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Browns need your help picking the field design for 2023. Vote on the final two logos to decide what design will be featured at midfield at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Visit clevelandbrowns.com slash field vote to cast your vote today. Um, we do have some news out of camp. As I mentioned, it's moved indoors. They're practicing in the indoor facility right now, and everybody on the beat reporting Grant Delpit down on the ground with an injury, um, among those saying that he's walking off the field while favoring his right arm uh, that is hanging by his side. So this was a collision away from the ball uh, with Jalen Wayne, according to Zach Jackson. Yeah, unfortunate for Grant Delpit and the Browns. You hope that he's okay. The good news is, right, that it's not leg uh, after a collision that he's walking off, and it is the shoulder, um, and you hope that he's able to be back uh, quickly after that. But you don't want to see that. Grant Delpit, I think, poised for a monster, monster season for this football team. Uh, the good news is that you have an incredible third safety right now in Rodney McLeod, who was a full-time starter last year and played at a high level as pro football folks. It's like a top five safety overall for Indianapolis. So you want Grant to get back there as soon as possible. The good news is you know that you've got 
depth at that safety room to at least execute your basic two safety defenses. I don't know that you'd go into much of your three safety packages if you didn't yeah. have Grant Delpit, but hopefully he will be okay uh, for week one, and hopefully we'll get an update uh, for that soon. I think the fact that he walked off of... his under powers is pretty good. It's hard to know off of a still It's hard still, to know off of a still like, image. Yeah, but it's, he's not being, like, carted off. He's not on Let any – Let me see that one again. And it's not like he's, like – it's not like it's held here no. where you think like collarbone, which would be a longer term thing. So hopefully he he's okay and just got maybe a stinger in that shoulder. All right. So there's the update of what is going on uh, on the field right now. Before practice, before all the rain set in, Deshaun Watson was at the podium. Let's have a listen. Deshaun, Kevin told us that you will be playing some in Kansas City. So how do you feel about getting out there and getting your feet wet again a little bit? Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get out there with the guys to kind of get – my routine going, uh, the prep up for the season, and just go out there and compete. That's the ultimate goal is to compete and go out there and try to, you know, help the team in whatever I can do to have, you know, successful drives and pit points on the board. What do you think is the most important thing you and the offense have gotten done these last couple weeks from Washington to Philly into this one? Uh, I think the biggest thing is just keep adding on. Keep taking a step each and every day because uh, we know we're not all the way there yet, um, and we shouldn't be. You know, there's a lot of – you know, different small details of the offense that we want to continue to work on with different looks, uh, especially with a good Philly defense and a good um, Washington defense. And then, you know, with our own defense. So we're seeing three different schemes, um, and if you want to include the Jets early on. So three four, three or four different schemes that is going to help us out, and that's, uh, you know, that's the beauty of it. Can we talk to Kevin about, like, what he see from the first year. He always says just clean operation and that's kind of bad. So beyond the clean operation, what are you, as you go into this in these 20-25 snaps, aiming to get out of them and accomplish? Uh, I mean, that's the biggest thing. You know, not going out there and doing too much. Um, just real smooth, clean. Like, like Kevin said, I mean, ultimately that's the biggest goal. If you can do that and just go out there and be sharp and then execute the game plan and, and just follow your reads and follow your footwork, then, you know, everything else is going to take care of itself. So not even just for the preseason games, but for the regular season games. That's what you want to go into each and every week with the clean, smooth operation. And if you can do that, everything else is going to take care of itself. Deshaun, when you went back and looked at the film from the two days of Philly, what, kind of, what was your kind of self-assessment of, of your performance? What was sort of your takeaways of what you saw when you, you kind of watched what you did on the field? Uh, it was great as a whole. I mean, it was Super Bowl runner-ups, the NFC champs. I mean, there, there wasn't a, a team out there, you know, or a guy out there that wasn't playing, you know, in that Super Bowl last year for them. So, um, you know, it was a great work for, for myself. It was a great work for the team. We went back and forth. We competed well. We took care of one another. And, uh, you know, we focused on that. And, um, you know, you got to give props to Philly and their staff for, you know, being on the same page with Kevin and us. And it was a great, you know, two or three days for us. You spent a lot of time trying to form chemistry with the guys who are going to be out there with you. What do you make of it when you see a guy like Watkins just walking in here and making plays with guys he's never known before? Uh, I mean, it's great to see it. I mean, he's hungry for his opportunity. Um, you know, he, he's came in, he's learned from all the other receivers, Coop, Elijah, DPJ. Um, he's been a great addition. He's been a great teammate, great person. So everyone like him, especially in that receiver room. You see everyone hanging out with him. Uh, then as an offense, he's always hanging out, saying what's up to everyone. So uh, he's been a great addition to this team. And, um, you know, we got to keep rolling. And he's going to continue to just keep growing and get better. Sean, you said that, uh, you know, you're not – Right where you want to be yet, and you shouldn't be at this point. So my question is, how much, how much longer will it take to, to 
to do that. And so when you think this offense will be like 100% where you want to be for? Uh, I feel like this offense, we, I mean, it's hard to say that you would be 100% in the NFL, you know, because every week is evolving. You got to add new pieces, new wrinkles, go against a new defensive scheme. You know, there's ups and downs. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit up here and, and tell you guys, give you a timeline where we'll be 100. I'm not sure where this offense will be 100. I'm not sure if any team in the NFL will actually be 100% and clicking because if you're doing that, then you should be undefeated. You know, so that's how I see it. There's always room to improve. There's always room to get better each and every week and starting fresh. And uh, that's the mentality that we got to have is just keep trying to get better each and every day. When you did that interview during the game the other night, you talked about taking some of the wear and tear off of Nick. Um, do you feel like now with more kind of the onus on you, do you feel like you have ownership of this offense now? Uh, most definitely, you know, AVP and, and Kevin gave me the keys, um, and they let me control a lot of a lot of things that we do on the field. Um, along with them, you know, play calling in the headset and being able to see things that I can check out too. So, but uh, you know, that that comes over time. Me understanding this offense, understanding what they want to do and what schemes that we want to do in the run game and the passing game, and then uh, you know, just being able to build that trust and build that, that ownership of taking control of, of the offense and being on the field and being that coach and, and player at the same time. So, you know, all that stuff is just keep stacking and building that trust. And uh, we have another opportunity this weekend to continue to build that. If you end up playing 20 snaps in, in Kansas City, that would be about 30 for you in the two preseason games. Is that more or less the same of what you did in Houston? Um, it's about the same. It actually might be more than Houston if, if I'm really thinking, in Houston, I probably played one game, maybe a drive, maybe two drives. But I didn't really play too much preseason in Houston. Hey, Deshaun, last year was your first taste of the AFC North. I think you played all three opponents. Um, what were your initial thoughts about the uh, It's good. I mean, it's a tough to fit. This is all balanced a little bit. Uh, it's a tough division. And, um, you know, you got three teams, including us, if you want to say four teams that, that – have a lot of talent. It's very coach hard. It's very tough, physical, um, and you got to go out there and make plays. And the mental errors and the small things that you know you can kind of let up in certain you know certain games, you can't do that in this division. So it's very very tight, and we want to go out there and try to you know go win it. There are three elite quarterbacks, and obviously another rising one. Um, does that drive you when you have guys in your division that are? Um, no, nah, nah, I mean, not not so much. I, I'm self-driven. You know, I, I want to be the best I can be for Deshaun Watson. I can't get caught up in, you know, the other guys and seeing what they're doing. And all of them are elite. You know, if you're a starting quarterback in this league, you're you're pretty pretty elite. You know, this is a hard business. This is a hard job to have. And, you know, it's only 32 spots. So, um, out of the whole world. So, I mean, I feel like everyone is elite. And, you know, I got to be self-driven to be the best Deshaun Watson I can be for this team and, um, you know, for myself. Deshaun, can you talk about um, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, I'm sure you guys are probably pretty good friends, uh, same draft class and all that kind of stuff. What makes Patrick so special? And I know you've talked about uh, how, you know, people here really haven't seen anything of you yet that you can do so many of the same kinds of things that Patrick does. What are those things? Yeah, I mean, just... The playmaking skills, the leadership, the work ethic. I mean, you you've seen it all. I mean, he, I mean, he, he wins two Super Bowls for a reason. He could have won three or four of them, you know. And it, and it's just special. And you know, with the staff that they have over there and the guy that he's been, you know, with Andy Reid coaching Patrick Mahomes, that's a pretty good 
combination to have, you know, and he's been taking that team, taking the organization to higher and higher heights. And um, I mean, he's doing a hell of a job and you got to give him credit. You got to none but salute to him um, and what he's been doing and what he's going to continue to do. And, you know, he just make everyone else around him better. So, um, you know, he's definitely the standard for the NFL and we just got to continue to just, you know, keep building that up, especially being in the 2017 draft class, you know, together. Uh, I think he was the 10th pick, I was the 12th. So, you know, both of us have a lot to prove, and we want to continue to just show that, you know, we wanted to top us two classes that, you know, have been drafted. So that's the plan. Do you watch some of his film? I know he might watch some of your film too, but, I mean, do you guys trade thoughts or ideas? Or, you know, do you really look at Patrick's games a lot and think, you know, I, I'm going to do some of that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, it's not so much of, hey, I want to do that stuff or kind of do that stuff. It's just mostly just kind of like I watch all the quarterbacks, not just Patrick, not just Lamar, not just Joe, but, you know, the young guys, the the guys, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins. I mean, I watch everyone. I just like watching football and what quarterbacks doing because everyone is special. Like I said before, it's elite to be one of the 32 quarterbacks in this league and it's special and uh, you got to have some type of talent regardless of what other people are saying so I watch everyone and of course Pat you know you see him playing the big time game so you just kind of naturally just watch him and watch his game um, but for me I, I like to watch everyone and whatever I can do to learn from everyone so you know when I see him when we talk you know we chop it up a little bit and, and learn from each other and just you know check on each other but uh, you know, me and Pat relationship go all the way back from early on in college training in California. So, you know, we've always had a long relationship and want to be in this position. So when I talk about being three times against Washington, if my memory serves me correctly, it's preseason. How do you weigh the, the risk-reward of that, or is that something you need to do in the preseason to get yourself ready for regulars? No, I, I can't go out there. When I step on the football field, I don't, I don't think about – if I should run or not should run just because it's preseason. You know, when you're out there, you're competing. You know, everyone's competing for a job. Everyone's competing to be successful. So when I'm out there, I just let my instincts take over. And I'm not trying to, you know, win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, like, I want to go out there and compete and be successful for the team. So when you talk about being self-motivated, do you pay attention to how people have you ranked before the preseason? And if you're not included in the same top-tier discussion as Pat, Josh, and Joe and those guys? Not at all. I mean, I, I stay focused on what I got to do and control what I can control. You know, the, the rankings, is all, there's always a rankings each and every year. So at the end of the day, uh, you can't focus on that because there's always, that, that ranking is always changing. And uh, for me, I mean, I missed two years of football. So, I mean, I shouldn't be in those rankings, to be honest, if you're asking me. You know, I haven't played ball, I haven't played enough football the last few years to even be up there. So, you know, I got to go out there and prove and, and show what I got to do and, uh, to get back in those conversations. But for me, I just lock in on what I need to lock in on and just focus on my tasks and, you know, everything else to take care of itself. This has been a Two long, more here. long training camp calendar-wise because of the extra game and all. Does it first, does it feel like it's been long to you? And how do you think it's been managed with all these road trips you guys have been on? Um, I mean, I haven't really felt too long. I just kind of, once you get in training camp as a player, you kind of just day-to-day. 
Uh, you take it one day at a time. You don't look forward. You don't look backwards. You just focus on where you at and where your feet is on that day. And I think um, for us, I think being able to go on the road to Greenbrier and Philly has been awesome to build the team, the, the team bonding, to kind of get to know everyone and just, you know, test us mentally. Um, you know, not being comfortable sitting in, in our homes and, and on our you know facility, being able to go somewhere different and be able to manage and still put in the same work. So it's been good. Deshaun, a lot was made of um, that day two in Philly. You know, a lot was written and said. You threw a couple picks in that practice. And I, on social media, you took a lot of heat for that practice. What do you make of that? And I saw you kind of reacted to, you know, someone's post of your stats and stuff like that. So, you know, what do you think of, you know, the heavy criticism that you're getting and the scrutiny that you're getting, even over practice? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't get too involved in it. I mean, the, the response on there wasn't about the stats or anything like that. It's about knowing the situations, you know, and some of the situations, the media, you guys, no offense, but you guys just don't know what we're working on. You know, not every period is just a, hey, go out there and compete. It's open field. Some periods is it's third and fourth down, so we got to take our chances. Some period is the end of game situation. Some period is one-on-one. -on -one. So on both sides, not just me and, and being on the offense, but on the defense, you got to you gotta give them credit too because a lot of times they don't usually have safety help over top as a corner, and sometimes they don't because it depends on what we're working on. So... Yeah, I don't. I don't really get caught up in that. That's the only reason why I responded. It was nothing towards Philly or anybody in the media. It was just like you know, just understand the situation of what we're working on when you have joint practices. Um, and then um, you know, with the criticism and stuff like that. Like I said before, I, I don't. I don't get involved in that. Um, you know, I guess you must be you know pretty good if you're having some type of criticism. So uh, you always got to have those. You know, those talks and negativities to keep you motivated, keep you pushing forward, and uh, keep trying to be better. So that's the biggest thing for me. Hey, was there at least Last a, one. Was there a little piece of you that wished Lamar left the division? <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. You know, I just, it, it's going to make the games against Baltimore even more fun and uh, competitive. You know, I played against him in, when he was in Louisville. So that was a fun match. Um, I know everyone saw that. So we want to continue to just do that and, and compete and, uh, and try to you know, win for our organizations. All right, a lot there from Deshaun Watson. We'll break down some of his comments. Plus, we've had a look at the uh, the Delpit video from practice. We'll uh, kind of give you a play-by-play -play of what happened on that play. Coming up next, you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And to celebrate the 18th Cleveland Brown being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Tide Cleaners offering incredible offer. Eight bucks off any order of 18 or more. Just mention Browns at drop-off Tide Cleaners, your one-stop shop for all dry cleaning and laundry service needs. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the location nearest you. Some exclusions may apply. See store for details. Um, we've seen this video of the Grant Delpit uh, collision that led to him um, being down on the ground and then walking off with his own power, um, according to reports favoring his right side. Um, Z, it's just he's playing deep safety. He comes yep. over, he's following the tight end. It's just a straight-on collision uh, with the receiver running the route. Um, 31? Jalen Wayne. So uh, it's just a straight collision with, with Jalen yeah. Wayne. He's running a post. Grant's coming, takes, as you said, taking the tight end across field. Didn't see him, and they just ran into each other at full speed and 
hopefully it's okay. Loud collision, uh, obviously, when guys are in pads and they hit each other that hard, and you hope that he's okay. Maybe the wind got knocked out of him or he's going to have a big bruise. But I think, knock on wood, hopefully the Browns avoided something yeah. serious there. And, and the good news is it wasn't like knee into knee that caused mm-hmm. something with the lower extremities. And again, not – Dr. Ruiz don't pretend to be, no. but just from the standpoint of the look of it, there isn't anything like favoring one side or limb that yep. would lead you to believe that it's like shoulder, collarbone. It just looks like a straight on – it's a straight on collision yep. is what it looks like in the video. Yep. Um, all right, you had Deshaun Watson at the podium, and, and one of the things he discussed was AVP and Coach Stefanski giving him the keys uh, to the offense and, and him having a very big input on – on what this offense is. Um, if you were to describe what we want to be offensively to our fans based on a month of practice and all of the uh, intel that you have, how would you describe it? We haven't really seen it, I mm-hmm. think is the truth. I think that we have not really seen a ton of the things that this Cleveland Browns offense is going to be. I will say that I believe, I, I like you know the comment that they've turned it over to them. You made the point earlier, and nonchalantly, talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. You're like, well, he's just running his offense. Yeah. But when you have the quarterback that you believe is the engine, and we know that that is what makes it go in the National Football League, you cater to that quarterback and their strengths. Yeah. And do what they are comfortable doing. Because the last time he played a full season doing that, he led the NFL in passing. He's got the second highest completion percentage of all time behind only Drew Brees. He's supremely talented. So you want to get him in the best position. So what we will see you know, just generally speaking, we're going to see more 11 personnel. That's why you go out and you get Elijah Moore, you draft Cedric Tillman, you bring in Marquise Goodwin, who, knock on wood, hopefully is okay for the Cleveland Browns. You are going to see him in shotgun more, in pistol more, yeah. using his mobility, using misdirection, using read option, getting him involved in the run game, having some design quarterback runs to take advantage of his athleticism. It is not going, we are not going to be, in the past, it felt like we were either under center or when we were in shotgun, we were in empty. And we'll still do a lot of empty because it's a good way when you motion that running back out to get a tell from right. the defense, you know, an idea of what the defense is doing. But now we're going to do some more just pure drop back passing. Like we're going to line up in shotgun and we're going to pass football. We're still going to have a lot of pre-snap motion. A lot of the things, the zone, the running game, the pin pulls, all of that's still going to be very much the same. You're just going to see an offense that's going to be more predicated on throwing the football. And I think one of the, the criticisms I've heard so far uh, about Deshaun is that you know he ha- he's not throwing the football down the field enough. We want to see him throw the ball down the field more. Did you see the video from ten minutes ago? Real quick, just interject. No, just threw a dot fifty yards on the on well, the screws to Elijah Moore. He can do that. Nailed and it for a touchdown. I, I love it. I love to see that. Yeah. It sinks that we're not able to see this live for you and, and yeah. give you those things. But good job right there by you. Um, what I want to say is. The big thing when you talked about coaches last year and when you talked about you know to people quarterback evaluators last year about those final six games is the one thing he wasn't doing was letting the layups be layups. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he would hold the ball instead of taking that easy five seven. And I think that's one of the things that they're really working on and that he really worked on. And so you're seeing a lot more of that. If I have the automatic seven yards, I'm gonna do that. He's gonna get plenty of chances to make plays out of structure down the field and also throw the ball in structure down the field. You know, we've seen it in every preseason game with our other quarterbacks, like there are plays in this offense that will get the ball down the field and he's elite at it. And you saw a bunch of plays more than 15 yards in the air in those joint practices against the Eagles. So I I think part of it is him getting into the rhythm of I've got such talent around me that sometimes it makes sense to just get the ball in the hands of playmakers. So 
I think you'll just see, like I said, a more varied passing game, more down the field, more just good throws, 10 to 19 yards in the air, uh, and then take advantage of his athleticism. But I like that. That's what it should be. You are not going to have to scheme up makeable throws with this guy. No, but you will. Yes, you will, but you don't have to. In the previous incarnations of quarterback, since I've been around here, we would have to scheme up throws, successful throws. Yes. You don't have to do that with this guy. You want to put him in the best position to succeed, but he can hit at any point on the field at any point he wants. Yep. He has that type of arm talent. He has that type of preparedness, anticipation, touch, all of that. It's very similar to what I was re- describing with Rodgers with the Jets. Like, yep. you don't know it until you see it, and then yep. you go, oh, okay. And even last year in the six games, and you and I talked about this a lot last year, there was a moment in every game where you went, oh, oh okay. there we go. That's, yeah. that's, what, that's what that's supposed to be, and that's what that's supposed to look like. It's going to be so different for him this year from last year for a billion reasons. But the biggest difference is your quarterback, as opposed to being someone who let's make sure we put him in the best position to succeed. Your quarterback is now a game wrecker. He is, he is the position to succeed. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, it's, it's good. I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I think that people are going to see, and it's not about tricks and, you know, we, we are very effective trick play offense in the past. I think cause we had to be because we had to be. And I'm not saying it, I don't think it's going to be gimmicky, but I said you're just going to see a lot of things. You know, part of it's like Elijah Moore in the backfield. A lot of things to take advantages of the personnel that we have. We haven't seen Nick Chubb unleashed, you know, what no. that's going to look like, and he's just the best running back in the NFL. I think people are making a lot over a little as it relates to our offense right now. This offense is supposed to get going September the 10th, and I'm not saying it isn't going now because he's had some great days, especially recently in camp. But they're not showing everything like the public is out here later than ever. And I think in some ways that's probably a little frustrating because there's probably stuff that they'd like to be getting in this week that they have maybe not been able to get in as much. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe today they'll take advantage of being indoors and it's just limited in terms of who's in there. Uh, But, you know, that real work's going to begin next week. You're going to have two weeks to really get into that stuff. Not say that they haven't done it from a conceptual standpoint and they haven't walked through a lot of this stuff, but you're going to start to get those reps really going and gear you up for that September the 10th game. Well said, sir. Do a little better or worse, higher or lower. Coming up next, you're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, sports betting partner, your Cleveland Browns, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. For nearly a century, the Rumpke family operated one of the largest waste and recycling companies providing top-level services to residential and commercial customers. That's Rumpke Waste and Recycling. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Time for a little higher lower, presented by Keep It Fun Ohio from the Ohio Lottery, who reminds you to set time and spending limits while you gamble. Hello, Gibbe. Hi, gentlemen. Hey, buddy. Do it. Uh, I, Do it. I, I need to apologize in looking at things. I think I'm the one that screwed up your eardrums earlier today. Oh, God. sad. Well, sad. Whoa! I'll, 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 I will uh, mention your name specifically in my class action lawsuit against the Cleveland Browns. I have no money to give, so don't bother coming to well, me. He's not, I'm not suing he's not you. Not suing you. Just mentioning you specifically is that yeah. now we have a culprit. Does he sound really low to you? 
He seems okay right now, okay. but it's possible. I only have fifty percent hearing. At this right. point. Check, so check. We'll How about now? Yeah, you hey, sound fine. How about now? Sure, it's possible. Hey. It's possible. Hey, hey. Sorry about that. That's all right. I'm like, what was that? And I'm like, did you jet? You uh, were you testing? Is that what you're doing? It so, was. Uh, I'll tell you this, Gibe. From an audible standpoint, nothing has ever been louder. In my you ear, almost, it was like ever. You were, you were, like rock concerts, like, nothing. I'm looking at you guys. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, I was like row three for Motley Crue in like 96. Yeah, with the speaker great, in your ear. Way, if you got yeah. tickets for that show. I did. I was, yeah, we were there. It was Billings Metra. Yeah. <laughs> Billings The Metro. Billings Metra Park. <laughs> Seeking 19. Uh, no, it would have been more like 98. Uh, so, yeah. nonetheless, my apologies as yeah. I'm going through this. Dr. Feelgood still slaps. Like, there are pieces that don't. We, we have kind of put this together. And yeah. if, if you touch this one cable, it could all go That's bad it? again. Yeah. So all right. Well, we won't touch try anything. Not to touch You're that. safe. You're safe, pal. So. Uh, let's get to it. A little higher or lower presented by Keep It Fun Ohio from the Ohio Lottery, who reminds you to set time and spending limits when gambling. Found this last night. I said, this is it. I love this one. I love it. I love this one. Hey, real quick, before we get to the higher or lower, Jason uh, asking us, he's headed to Pittsburgh this weekend for a bachelor party. He's going to hit up a golf course Saturday on the way out to Pittsburgh. So somewhere between here and Pittsburgh. Any suggestions? In Boulder, Boulder Creek, right? yeah, the, the winner, turnpike. right? That's yeah. depending on where he's driving here, from. That's yeah. the winner for sure, hands down. Yeah. What about like Oakmont? Where's Oakmont at? I'm guessing that's a tough get on yeah. on a Saturday in August. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're just walking. <laughs> hey, I've got a bachelor party. You got any available tea times? Oh, sure, Bobby. Whatever you do, don't lead with "I've got a bachelor party." I've played. There. I've got a you list. Play, of you guys clients. have played Oakmont, right? I have not. No, it's not built for me. Tough. <laughs> Played with a Callaway rep uh, 10, 15 years ago over there. Not for me. Not for me. It wasn't fun. Got a cool hat out of it, though. All right. Yeah, that, I mean, that's. Logo. They have a great logo. Yeah. Squirrel's great. And then their OCC is great. They have an. I, like would, a, I would have loved a hat from the course we played at uh, the Greenbrier, but they didn't make those. for the. For, no, no. Not for the course I played. For Meadows? No, they had they had the old white hats there. White hat. Yeah, but I I didn't play that. Yeah, it's one of those. I'm like, I didn't play it. Yeah, eh. I've also noticed I have an old white hat, and I also noticed that that's it's always a tricky wear. Yes, because you have to be ready to explain. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's not the best look. <clears throat> All right. That's right. Yeah. So this is from the athletic. Uh, it started three years ago. Uh, and the NFL has 30 stadiums for yep. its 32 teams. Uh, the Athletics NFL writers, again, rank their top five and bottom five in order. So top and bottom. Okay. At it's the a- time of the previous ranking, yep. SoFi and Allegiant in, in Vegas were not included. They opened in 2020. Here are the updated rankings Yes, Mr. Bishop. I think it's important to point out to our audience that this is from the perspective of the writers. Yes. So what they're they're thinking about press boxes, they're thinking about amenities, they're talking about probably climate control, they're talking about... I I will say this, they do have a good... They they list every stadium's Google review. Okay. So it it is a little bit of the fan experience as well. Okay. All right. Very Uh, good. And also, an important note, 
every reporter who participated in the survey has not been to every stadium. That's okay. But that's I, why I they that's wanted okay. the top five and the bottom five. You guys, you two have both been to every one, right? Is there anything you guys haven't been? For a football game, I have not been to Jerry World been to or the New Vegas one. Okay, New Vegas for but you. But we went to Oakland. Well, some of us went to Oakland. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. The old Oakland. Um, yes. But we have, you have not seen a game in. Two things. Absolutely, ridiculously unnecessary comment. Second, I grew up there, so I've been in that stadium a billion times. A billion times. times. <laughs> Including for the World Series, sir. In 1988, 89, uh, and 90. Uh, that's right. I'm that's just right. glad that you're with us because I wasn't sure if you were paying attention just or testing not. Your, testing your, nose, paying attention. your nose has been down in your in your little copious notes that you're putting together for Saturday's work. game. Let me tell you something, brother. It's all locked in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're with us. All right, go ahead. Let's go, Paulus. Higher or lower? Number one, I don't think it's uh, it's an argument. U.S. Bank Stadium, home of the Minnesota Vikings. It's uh, the best. It's period. the best. There's a reason it says the opening line wasn't even close. Half the voters placed it number one in their rankings. Duh. It is unbelievable. It's perfect. If you are building a stadium in this country... In the northern hemisphere, and it's not the northern part of this country, and it's not that, then you did it wrong. It's the it should be it's the what, model. It's the model. Yes. It's what Buffalo should build. It's like their variation of it. I don't say if not obviously there's a specific to Vikings and all that, but like it is what you build. This is what Tennessee should build. There's looks like it's going to be cool, but that's what they should build. It's what Buffalo should build. If we build a stadium, we should build it. That's yes, the, that's 100%. the stadium. Here's what the Vikings reporter Alec Lewis said. End quote. But the stadium in general is the perfect representation of what an indoor arena should look and feel like on a Sunday. Yep. Crushed it. Yep. They did. 100%. Next. Higher or lower? Number two is SoFi Stadium. Number three. The great okay, and led. Then this, this here, swaglish. this doesn't even hold a candle to yesterday. Yesterday came in shades. We were robbed of the shades due to the weather. The jet. Like, yesterday was... Yesterday was on a whole nother level. Really? Like yesterday was like I just stepped off of my PJ at my driven here. Oh, and God. I'm that that taking me. over the world. That pleases me a great deal. Yeah. Um, number right, three so two was SoFi. Number yes. two was SoFi. Number three, historic Lambeau Field. Bo Bishop, higher, lower, or just right for Lambeau? Well, I think the bigger beef is probably with SoFi. I, I don't know that. Is it worthy of two? It's not. Like it's better than Mercedes Benz in Atlanta? Yes. It's better than Jerry World? I don't. I don't. I have not been to Jerry World. Yes, it's Both. better than Jerry World. Okay, Both. you've been. To, I have not. Okay, so I did not have when we went and played there, and I was on the sidelines. I did not have the same appreciation as for when I went to it at WrestleMania, and I was in one of their suites. Yeah, they're the nicest suites. Like, it's it's la- other suites and other sports stadiums seem like laughable compared to how good it is in SoFi. So I think if you're going there and you're and going means- for it and you have a decent, you're going to have a premium level experience. I don't know that it can be beaten to be perfectly honest with you. Okay. That suite, the food, the view, the seats that you get in your suite. And we weren't even in like in the like bottom suites. We were like in the middle of the stadium. It was unbelievable. From that standpoint, also much easier to get around than I thought when I was trying to get around from down to up to them for the mm-hmm. press box and all that was nightmarish. Well, they built it for you. As a, they as built a, it for the suites. As a person coming to spend their dollar to see entertainment, the video board, I don't know that, the, honest to God, it, 
if it weren't for Minnesota, it would be my number one. Okay, okay. So that's different song than the last because the last time we had talked totally about this, you were from your perspective. Now, so back to Lambo. It's funny, by the way, if you talk to a number of the employees that work at that stadium, like behind the scenes. Yeah, they call it a six billion dollar. Well, greenhouse, right? Because it, it's it's open Pino air, like and you can do the rest. Well, also on the at the college football national championship game, it was raining sideways into it, and yes. they had the rains there two days ago, and it was raining into it because they, they don't have walls, correct? correct? So you know, it's it is a, a sense of greenhouse. All right, so Lambo, Lambo, four point eight on the Google review. All right, so I think the the what I think is really interesting here, and you guys have been to both. I've been to Arrowhead. I've not been to Lambo. Those are the two. And they're different. One is one is just the impressiveness of Arrowhead. My perception is one is the nostalgia of Lambo. I guess it's really dip for me. It's this feels like Lambo feels like Wrigley, like Wrigley Field. Like you go there and you hallowed wake up the ground, echoes, the hollow ground. There's yeah. all. It's an experience. So like comparing tundra. like Lambo to me, like comparing Lambo to Jerry World. I don't know how you can do that because those are t- so different. It's apples and tacos, brother. Yeah, I'll yeah. say this. And though, by the way, I don't. I'm don't sure like it's taco, awesome. I don't like feel like Tuesday, there's a bad seat back. at Lambo. Sorry, I, I have to say it. Kick rocks. I have to say it. Kick rocks, Alpha. Um, no, I, I. So it's hard. I, I would say lower because it doesn't have nostalgia for me because I'm not a Packers fan. So it's a pretty I, cool experience. I'm sure it's cool. I've been there on the sidelines. I've also been there up in a booth for that. Christmas game alone. I know. It's it's so old that it can't possibly compare with the niceties of these other stadiums. But it is cool when you look up at around the stadium and you look at the you know the scoreboard and all like it, it is cool. It's There's like a Wrigley. lot of it that's very, very cool. I'm sure it's like Wrigley or Fenway. Yeah. A classic. Yeah. Look at him getting this power snack in the afternoon. Just, what are we doing? What's he got? It's a shame that he was. Oh my God! He's got a little. Is that a little PB and J? Some nourishment, taste. some sustenance. Just keep you yeah, moving. Look at him growing the muscles. The, the pythons protein in there. Yeah. The shoe again. Look at how white. Shoe game ends white in an bottom. A. White's new new pair every time. Every time. Next. Higher or lower? Number four, AT and T Stadium, home of the Dallas Cowboys. So, like, I would move. Just I don't know if we ever even gave better or worse. I would. Lambo is worse than that. It's at the top of, like, when we get out of places that have it all, to me. Number so, is it higher than – okay, so th- this leads to where you're going right now. Go ahead. Do your high, do your thing. Yep. Number four is uh, home of the Cowboys. Number five, home of the Seattle Seahawks, Lumen Field. New sponsor for them, obviously. Yeah. And number six, Arrowhead Stadium, okay. home of the Kansas City Chiefs. So, what you have there is you have a renovated – Relic in Lambeau. Yep. You have a relatively modern outdoor built for noise retention in Seattle. Yep. And then you have a big old stadium in Arrowhead that's real loud. How do you guys rank those three? Like, as I agree, so with you, those I, are different than Jerry World. Yeah. Like, if you're going to go just, let's go, are you almost going just outdoor stadiums? Well, I'm going outdoor specific specific attributes okay. stadiums All because right. for example like my my favorite outdoor stadium in the in the league that i've been to is baltimore i was gonna say baltimore i was gonna 
That's why I asked that question. I was going to introduce Baltimore into the mix. Okay, so that's Baltimore's my that's incredible. my favorite outdoor I would put Baltimore stadium ahead of all of these. Yeah, okay, but I would too. but Baltimore does not have. I think we can all agree some of the specific attributes that those three have. It's just probably, awesome. It is awesome, but it's probably not as loud as Seattle. Not as loud as Seattle. There's or not the nostalgia Arrowhead. of Lambo. Like Arrowhead is also built at an era where like it was a giant parking lot around an arena, and you have the Chiefs. Sure. I mean the Royal Stadium is right there as well. Let's go way out. We'll put it on a on a highway. Yep. And this is what we do, and it's just not how we build them anymore. No, I think like my top outdoor stadiums are. Ravens, for sure. Seattle. Hines is good, too. Would be number two. Arrowhead would probably be called. three. Acrisure or whatever it is. Yeah. Acrisure would probably be four. And then I would maybe do Lambo. Like, Levi's is nice, but it's nothing to get excited about, honestly. Well, Levi's and Meadowlands are the two that it's like, this is what happens when you have to build a stadium in some of the most expensive real estate in the world. Yeah. So you can't do Jerry World. You right. can't do Minneapolis. You don't like two billion goes. A, they built Jerry World for two billion when they built it. Yeah. Think about what that thing would cost. First of all, if you tried to do it in the shadows of Manhattan or in Silicon Valley, or even now. Sure. sure. It's a five billion dollar stadium now. Right? Yeah, I think. <clears throat> I think I'd still put Lambo. The, the only problem with Kansas City for me, I think Kansas City's super cool. But the stupid windows don't open in the press box. Right, right. So, like, you never get, you never that, get way, that though, right? feel. The guy didn't want it? Yeah. <clears throat> you never get that feel for... Just give yourself the option. That's so of course. Yeah. yeah, put a lock on it. This isn't hard. So, I mean, that that's... But I, I would definitely put Baltimore. Uh, the, other, the, other good, cool right? thing, the other cool thing with Seattle, the last oh, time we were there, they had a barista in our booth. Nice. They had a barista in every booth. Starbucks, whatever you wanted. That's nice. For the entire yeah. game. Good job. I don't even drink coffee. I was like, I'll take a hot chocolate. Keep them coming. There you go. Um, yeah, this is a it's a hard thing to try to do, like because so many, th- there's a moving scale on all of this of what you can do with the space that you're yeah. in. Right. You um, time for one more, real quick, because we're up against it. The Browns, uh, Cleveland Browns Stadium comes in at number 19. The bottom three appropriately uh, placed. Uh, number 28, Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Dolphins. Terrible. Yeah, that's tough. Number 29, TIAA Bank Field, home of Jacksonville. I'd put Jacksonville that's, actually ahead of Miami. Yeah, Jacksonville's too. Jacksonville's fine. It's, and more it than fine. Be, it's just the city that sucks. It should be, Jacksonville should be way ahead of Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati Cincinnati's a bottom, bottom three, three for sure. by yeah. far. I have no problem with Cincinnati. Commanders. You Cin- just like those dive bars you go to. Commanders and Cincinnati. I got a great view like of the that. field, though, too. That's true. Like, it's true. You it's do. a good setup. Like, Hard Rock at least has some cool things in it. It's just unbelievably hot. But, like, yeah. Hard Rock's light years. Cincinnati and Washington are the worst by a yeah, wide, FedEx wide field margin. is the last place, and rightfully so. And the, the, worst, one that- the worst one I'd ever been in was the old where the Chargers used to play in San Diego. Yeah. That was the, the guys asked me about awful. that. They go, what's the worst stadium? I said, it actually wasn't any of these. It was Qualcomm in San Diego. Yeah. Yep. Like, we couldn't even put the gear in the booth. No, it's a disaster. I think the most disappointing thing is, like, the new MetLife in New York is relatively new, and it's, like, 25th it's on this awful. list. It's um, an awful stadium. I'll tell you the one that's going to be the most impossible to replace is going to be the Superdome in New Orleans. I'm not going to lie. I think Soldier Field should be down. Soldier Field's <laughs> terrible. I haven't been. It was terrible before the renovation. I haven't been in it since the renovation. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Soldier Field's best part is the outside of it. Yeah, That's it looks cool, cool with the columns. Before they put and the spaceship they, yeah. in it. Yeah. No, that one's bad. There are a lot. Like, imagine New Orleans like, trying to do a new stadium in New Orleans. Yeah. The Superdome's not great. No. no, it's not. I mean, it looks it's historic. There's nostalgia, but it's not great. It's I think, huge. I will say the ones that I thought got a little bit, a little jobbed on here. Um, Quickly. The Colts. That's not yeah, a bad stadium. Lucas Oil's great. Lucas yep. Oil. That's all. You build Lucas Oil here, you'd be fine. Yeah, that's NRG great. should be down further. Yeah, Houston, Houston should be down. And Ford Field. Ford Field is a solid stadium. It's a solid viewing experience. Yeah, fine with Ford Field. Yeah, yeah, both of those you'd be fine with. So much more to come. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. All right, the next level will have some updates if there are any uh, on the Delpit injury uh, that happened a little, little more than an hour ago. Uh, probably an update tomorrow before, if not. So we'll see where that goes on that side of things. But it looked pretty good after we took a look at it. Not up. Hopefully he's fine. Like I said, you got a good insurance policy with Rodney McLeod being here. That yeah. if it were a short-term injury, you would be very much okay on the back end of your defense. Next level's up next. We're back tomorrow. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN Cleveland. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.